and welcome once more to History Obscura. As always, I am your host, Mandy Gardner. Today I'm going to read a special story for you, one that is a little less in keeping with our usual fare. This is a story I wrote myself in a novel called Letters to Earth, published by Endless Ink Books. I hope you enjoy it. Let's pretend it begins with Once Upon a Time. You wanted to take on the difficult jobs, correct? To be space explorers? Or was the army mistaken? I cleared my throat, unsure how to respond. To my right and left, Jin and Gedlin fidgeted in their seats. About 100 graduates were piled into the lecture room, and this was just the first of a whole day of repeating the same speech over and over for Commander Durante. The man tightened his lips and cocked his chin upwards. He pointed at Jin. Jin folks, you are a planetary scout, on track to become a colony leader, are you not? Yes, sir. And what is it about your mission that you find offensive to this title? Jin rubbed his face for a moment, considering. At breakfast that morning, we discovered that the extrasolar missions were being orchestrated by Commander Durante and his team of alien strangers. As excited as we all were to leave school and find our places in the universe, this was highly unorthodox. The fact that contact had indeed been made was only declassified this very year. We knew next to nothing about the species with whom we were evidently expected to rendezvous. It isn't offensive, Commander. I am incredibly grateful to have been offered this mission. I'm just surprised. About the aliens, sir. I mean... How do you know we can even survive on their planet? How do you know they are trustworthy? Getlin blurted. Her cheeks flushed. I looked quickly from her to the commander, glad that she'd said it and not me. He sighed, but said nothing. Sir? The commander's eyes were deep-set and dark, under a pale expanse of forehead. He probably hadn't spent more than a month away from the Dome Quadrant in his entire life, never basked in the sun. I wondered if he regretted not choosing a more active career path like we had. How could a person spend his entire life looking for intelligent alien civilizations from the confines of a dark computer room? He rubbed his hands together and dropped his chin. Cadets, he began, his voice softening. I'm sorry, I know you aren't cadets anymore, but as yet you are inexperienced. So let me talk to you as a mentor for a few moments. He took a few steps towards the room's low podium and shifted himself into the tutor's chair. Jin, Gatlin, and I exchanged glances, but remained respectfully silent. Only when our missions were truly underway could we speak freely with the commander of the colonial army, and then only under certain circumstances. You already know, 
It was I who coordinated most of the search for intelligent life. But what you don't know is just how long our species has been trying to reach out. To find extraterrestrial creatures whose intelligence mirrored our own, whose souls mirrored our own. The word souls made me uncomfortable. It was by no means illegal, but it was part of the eradicated cultural beliefs of the dark times. Commander Durante should have known better than to speak like this, to cadets or to equals. As far as I knew, nobody had said such things since the wars ended more than 200 years earlier. It's been my whole life's work to find these creatures, these strangers. Aren't you in the least bit excited by the prospect of working with a whole new species? One that wants to help us complete our colonial goals? But what about our green badges? I blurted, immediately embarrassed by my contentious tone. Green badges were received after a commendable 30 years of service with the army, but what the term really referred to was the retirement benefit that came afterwards. A generous annual salary and a home on the colony of your choice, plus free transportation for life. Durante raised his eyebrows and glowered at me for a moment, silent. There were only six days and twenty minutes left to us before launching, and still we understood nearly nothing about our mission. Durante could wax poetic all he liked, once we were safely off the surface of the Earth. Right now, we needed some answers. Sir, Jin prompted cautiously. The other graduates shifted uncomfortably in their seats. The commander responded by reaching into the cabinet at his side and pulling out an ancient artifact, a book. Its cover was worn and illegible, but the pages seemed to be intact. I knew instinctively that this must be one of the few remaining copies of Field Notes from Mars, the actual personal log of Aldi Muris. Durante tapped an index finger on the aged manuscript. You want to know how the strangers will affect your cozy retirement plans, correct? Jin cleared his throat. Well, sir, I'm sure we would all like to know whether or not we are expected to return to Earth once the missions have been completed. I mean, what you mean, cadet, is how will you enjoy all the benefits and riches that come from completing your mission if you are perhaps too far from the Earth to return? Well, yes, sir. And we also have no knowledge of these strangers. How will we communicate? What if they take us to a barren land that resists terraforming? I nodded empathetically, as this was a chief concern of mine. Though I was trained in each survival department to prepare for a career as an all-minder, the botany lab had been one of my favorite places. After countless experiments, I knew very well that terraforming gone wrong could doom every last colonist. Durande flipped carefully through the book, apparently searching for the appropriate response in the form of Aldi Miris's own words. When he found what he was looking for, he raised his head triumphantly. Here, our brave foremother 
may be able to answer that question for you. He held the pages before his face and stood, reverently, as he read to us. Day 87, Base Camp 1 The 20-degree weather we experienced this afternoon clashed violently with the minus 90-degree temperature of the evening. A fierce dust storm has trapped half the colony in Base 2, while the other half remains in Base 1. There are only limited resources in Base 2 right now, since it has not been completed. The colonists trapped within will be without food and water until the storm passes. We can only hope that the dust settles before morning, otherwise I'm facing a treacherous hike to bring them supplies. Days like these are forever trying. I often wonder if humankind is better off remaining in its place upon the Earth. But then, I see the familiar stars break through the dust, feel the warmth of the sun, and I'm renewed in spirit. It may be that some humans are meant to sow the land upon which they are born, but not I. For where would our species be without its explorers through the ages? Battling violent seas, freezing winds, impenetrable mountains and snows, or dry deserts for the sake of a better future, for knowledge. At the end of my ten-year mission, I'll be gilded with my green badge and offered the chance to retire wherever I wish. I expect, however, that I'll stay here and just keep on building. The commander snapped the book shut and placed it back on the podium, tapping the cover softly again. Do you understand? The students exchanged confused glances. I shook my head, frustrated. No, commander, I do not understand. He smiled. Before Aldimiris set foot on Mars to start our first extraterrestrial human colony, these exploratory missions represented difficult but necessary steps in our evolution as a scientific, successful society. You may remember Luca Veros, one of the forefathers of the colonial army. His original mission was to explore the Alp camps, decades after they had been laid waste to the warring nations. We'd had no visual information, no data, no scouts sent into that region of the Earth for so long. When Veros went in, it was blindly. He knew not whether he would be burned by radiation, shot by lingering insurgents, or greeted by a scene of pure desolation. His green badge mission, it was a metaphor, a deliberate push to restore the virility, the greenery, of part of our human world. I bit my lip, trying to put the pieces together. Getlin spoke up, softly. So what you mean is, the green badge missions are about being brave, for the good of our species. That we should have accepted our missions not for the glory or rewards, but simply for the desire for an adventure? You don't want us to focus on the fact that, after mission completion, we'll be given valuable lands on any of the Earth's colonies and provided with a large pension. The commander looked immensely relieved. Yes, that is my point exactly. You used the perfect term, adventure. 
Jin shot me a skeptical look. So it's true then. You have no idea where we are going, or whether or not we'll be coming back. Durante acknowledged the statement with a small nod, then headed toward the medium at the back wall of the room. When he switched on the device, the lights of the lecture hall dimmed so that we could easily see the holographic projection of our solar system hovering in the air above our heads. Automatically, we tilted our seats back for a better view. Our solar system. You know it well. And here, Durante clicked the remote controller, are all of our existing outposts. Immediately, the hologram brightened as the Earth's moon, Mars, Io, Ganymede, Europa, Atlas, and about 150 other moons were highlighted. It was easy to see why the bulk of graduates this year had been chosen to explore deep space. The opportunities for expansion in our own solar system were so few these days. The strangers have been communicating with us via several complex cognitive radio functions, which I have spent more than 20 years decoding. There was a widespread intake of breath in the room, as we all realized alien communication had been going on for more than two decades. The truth is, this species has been trying to talk to us for more than 50 years at least. He clicked another button, and we found ourselves in the midst of a completely foreign binary star system. Jin sucked in his breath. A binary? The year must be thousands of days long. You are correct, Durante replied. If you look closely at this system, you'll see ten planets. Of these, three have been selected for colonization. This information took a moment to sink in. We are each being sent to one of these three worlds, I asked, my eyes growing large. Durante confirmed this with a nod. Somehow, seeing this unexplored star system before my eyes had awakened my adventurous spirit. Nobody had been sent on such an important green badge mission in 150 years. The commander was right. This was my chance to really make a mark on history, like the heroes I'd read about since I was old enough to flip through comic books on space exploration. So which planet is mine? Gatlin giggled nervously, and Durante smiled at us. He tapped a few times on his digital device. Walker, your mission planet is this small purple world, right here along with another 500 graduates from your class, and a good number of civilian recruits and volunteers. Another third of the class will be sent to the largest planet in the system. The rest will be building a colony on the yellow one. Without thinking, dozens of us sprang from our seats to examine the holographic image of my mission planet up close. Purple. It isn't iodine-based, is it, sir? This would make for an interesting world indeed. Durante didn't agree with my assumption, however. Actually, Walker, you're getting ahead of yourself there. Think back to your lessons. Any botany graduate worth their degree should be able to figure out why this is perhaps the most exciting destination among them. 
My cheeks flushed, but my mind raced. Yes, there was something else familiar about that color, especially in an evolving planet. Planets like these are most likely to feature alien life. The lecturer grinned at me. Yes, there you are. In fact, the very first Earthlings were nothing more than a type of purple bacteria, multitudinous enough to be visible from space. At the comm center, we have high expectations that this is the very planet upon which you will find our new friends, the strangers. I swallowed, my heart racing. Could this be true? One day ago, I hadn't even known for sure whether alien contact had been made at all. Now, not only were they a very real part of the universe, but I was going to be among the first to meet them face to face. The hologram swam before my eyes, and I sat heavily down in my seat. There was just one question. Why us? I was proud to be among the youngest cadets to graduate, with a functional degree from the most influential school on the planet. But were my classmates and I really the right choice for something like this? Durante furrowed his brows. The truth is, he said, the strangers gained access to all our databases. They chose their own candidates for this mission, and I personally approved them. Just like they chose your lead scientists, support crew, and even the lottery winners. The hall grew silent in an instant. Nothing like this had ever happened before. The lottery winners, sir. Is that fair? He shrugged. We didn't see why not. It wasn't as if someone in the control room was choosing them. All citizens of Earth over the age of 16 were entered in the computer, as always. This time, instead of our random selector choosing their names, our correspondents did. There are just as many as usual. Your initial colony should consist of a thousand seemingly random people. And as always, more will be sent as time goes on. My heart did cartwheels in my chest. Don't worry, cadets. Although your colonies won't be in direct contact with one another right away, they will indeed be close allies during their formative years. It is up to each of you to establish strong infrastructures so that in future decades, each of these alien worlds will be part of one unified deep space Earth base. And who knows? The strangers may well be living on each of the planets you see before you. There may be none. The fact is, we just don't know for sure. Communications between our species are full of holes. Silence filled the room as the hologram floated before our eyes. Its planets and moons went about their projected orbits, ignorant of the distant, alien creatures that would soon tread upon them. Sir? What is it, Jin? I realize that this is... well... Exciting. It certainly is, boy. Yes, well, it has been more than a century since colonists were sent to planets that our best scientists knew so little about. What if the aliens don't understand our bio-needs? What if they've chosen worlds where the atmosphere is like that of Io, 
and our fertility rates drop too low to sustain the colony. Or something else catastrophic happens. Ah, Jin. Durante poked a finger at the yellow planet that hovered in the air, slowly spinning a golden world of mystery. It is your duty to adapt, to find a way. How is it that you excelled in your studies but do not remember how the Ionian colony made its adaptations? Three male mates for every female. Marriage itself. It can act as a function of humanity's specific needs, dependent on physical, cultural, and emotional realities. You'll figure it out, son. The commander turned and looked at me. The hairs on the back of my neck stiffened at his gaze. You will all figure it out. End of chapter one. Thank you so much, lovely listeners, for joining me today. To learn what happens next in Letters to Earth, you can buy an electronic or paperback copy through Endless Ink Publishing. You can find the link in the show notes. See you next time for a proper tale of historical value. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Good night.